what is up? This is John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. We are a podcast for complete athletic development, and our mission is to give you the tools to win, whether you are the athlete, the parent, or the coach. Our objective is to give you the tools to win based on the experiences that myself and my co-host, what's up, Chris? What's up? And Mandy have through all our years in this industry. We want to give you guys the tools to win. So, if you're new to our show, welcome. Welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us. We run our show a little bit differently than most podcasts. So, the first type of episode that we have is going to be a Q&A. And this Q&A is our most frequent one. This is where we take questions from you guys that y'all submit to either our social media pages or to info at EliteLevelPerformance.com. And we answer those questions on the air for you. Me, Chris... Mandy, Mandy's not with us today, but she's on most most episodes, and we'll answer those and uh, dig deep into them and give you as much insight as we can. The second type of episode that we have is a guest interview, and the guest interview is going to be where we bring on our colleagues from across the country, across the globe, and they're going to share their stories of success, how they win, whether they are in the healthcare field, whether they are trainers, coaches, business owners, whatever. They're going to share their secrets of success what they do to win and how they help their clients win as well. And then the final type of episode is our Friday Fire episode. That is where I do a solo cast, and I will share 10, 15 minutes of my inner dialogue and what's going on in my head. Usually it's going to be about uh, leadership or something along those lines and uh, or on a social issue I feel like we need to discuss a little bit, and those are Friday Fire. So today's episode... As you know from reading the title, today's episode is a Q&A. Now, we normally take three or four questions, sometimes sometimes four, usually two or three actually, and we'll break them down. But I felt like this question, Chris and I discussed this before the show, we felt like this question was very relevant and is probably worthy of its own episode. And this question uh, submitted by Austin, thank you, sir. And the question was, what is the difference between what you guys do and PT or physical therapy. And so I, I think what he's asking is what's the difference between, you know, using the newbie, you know, the activations, the systems that we use versus traditional therapies, you know, specifically said PT, but I guess you could include other types of therapies that are out there. There's all kinds of stuff, Rolfing, chiropractic, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, that's a, it's a very good question. Very good. And one that really we should dig into. So <clears throat> yeah, Chris, why don't uh yeah, why don't you get started, man? What how do you wanna where do you want to start here? Well, yeah, it's a very good question. Um so yeah, I've done my share of work in the physical therapy field. Um so this is Yeah, and guys and, and I'm gonna interrupt Chris because yeah. he, he won't say it, but Chris is a humble guy, he won't say it, but understand guys that Chris was a former licensed PT so he's got that education he's been in that field as well and that's something that you know we we appreciate and respect he's got an education previous license so that's uh, that's something you probably didn't know about Chris and he probably wouldn't share so I did for you right <laughs> yeah you know and what and what's interesting is now keep in mind what the way I'm going to answer this question is based on my experience with PT and not with anybody else's because could a let, let's take let's take the approach that you take, John, could a physical therapist go learn 
a lot of the you know the same techniques and and go get newbies and yeah, learn 100%. how to, absolutely they could oh yeah and you know and probably would help their outcomes oh yeah but we're talking about the way it's typically done so we're so for every one therapist out there that's doing just a fantastic crazy good job there's probably 10 who are out there doing a very standardized job maybe more than that i don't really know i've never counted but so let, let's address it this way typically let's just say and by the way since this is primarily an athletic based podcast i'm going to follow i'm going to use that as an example more of an athletic or an active uh adult from from the perspective of someone coming from this arena so the person's most likely very motivated to get better uh if you're an athlete if you're an active adult you're very you want to get back into the game you don't want to be you know sitting on your butt doing nothing you're you're motivated to get better you just want to be able to do it without hurting or you want to be able to do it without having you know symptoms of some sort so that's half the battle right there um a lot oftentimes when you go into a standardized physical therapy clinic a lot of your your patient population as crazy as it sounds may not want to improve they have no real motivation so that's the so that's now on the patient's end if you want to improve that's half the battle so if you have half your patients that really don't care about improving well you know <laughs> that's <laughs> that's going to reduce your yeah. outcomes right there so yeah yeah it makes success a little harder yeah. absolutely so secondly you and i have discussed a lot on now we're beginning to see things on the input the neural input end of things mm-hmm. and I've, I've got to bring up three well definitely two specific experiences that i cannot unsee all right so coming from the physical therapy world uh you would see someone with a sprained ankle and this particular person i witnessed being treated by dr john pietola okay your mentor and certainly someone that i know fairly well i witnessed him uh working with someone that came in sprained ankle the way he systematically began to you know address not just the issue with her ankle but quickly found out she also had a problem with her right shoulder okay she comes in with a left ankle problem also finds out there's a right shoulder issue addresses all of those things and and this person in one treatment walks out better And, and by the way it was a it was a doctor Dr. J treatment followed by a mm-hmm. uh, an, an ARP wave, okay, ARP yeah. wave treatment using what is now, uh, as, as uh, Garrett Salpeter would call it, the foot bath. Uh, again, someone with mm-hmm. a sprained ankle. Never yeah. seen any, I had never seen anything like that before. That would have never been done in the clinic I had worked in. And she walks out in one treatment much better than she walked in. Now, she wasn't 100%. But there was a significant sure. improvement. I can't unsee Major that. Major improvement. Yes. Yeah. The other big, and again, was how much physical therapy did she receive? Zero. There was not a physical therapist in that room. There was a chiropractor who was leading the treatment, and then uh, 
uh, whoever was doing the uh, ARP treatment after that, uh, that Dr. J prescribed, uh, there was no physical therapy. And yet she walks out better than anybody I'd ever seen come in with a grade two ankle sprain. Um, and, and in addition, uh, treated the shoulder um, that they didn't even know was a problem. She wasn't even in there for that reason. You know, and, and to interrupt you, just because to for us, Chris, like this conversation, I mean, this is this is standard in our experience at this point in our careers. Like we see this, but I think for the for the general public or, or the high school kid who's listening to this and doesn't quite understand the significance of that, like when you say a grade two ankle sprain, kind of share that a little bit from your perspective. Like, what is your kind of your typical time frame and you know doctor prescription and like six to eight weeks non-weight bearing like what can you explain that a little um yeah typically um grade two ankle sprain can vary a little bit uh from prescription to prescription um and and keep in mind it's not like there's okay there's not a a just a absolute pure definition of a of a grade one versus a two versus a three other than to say a three is supposed to have like complete tears of the ligament and whatever. Grade two is, you know, some some tearing of the ligaments but not torn. Uh, grade one is typically your is more your, um, you know, maybe some light swelling, probably little to no discoloration, and just uh, you know, they're hobbling around a little bit and they're usually fine with or without any treatment. Okay, so. So yeah, so a grade two, you did you did a little bit of damage yeah, there, yeah, guys. Yeah, so Just under, understand the significance of that if you're if you're trying to follow kind of what a grade one, two, and three means. I mean, grade two, you got you, you did yes, some damage there. Yes, there are there. some tissue. So damage. somebody to make that type of improvement in one session is pretty pretty dang right, impressive. pretty significant. So what did Doctor J do differently? Well, he addressed the neural input. He addresses he tries to reduce the threat of this person coming in, putting weight on the ankle, and and so on and so forth. Uh, What then the follow-up treatment with the, in this case, the ARP, further reduces inflammation in that ankle by helping the muscles around it absorb forces better, you know, um, and, you know, you've seen, you probably have, y'all might even do the uh, the foot bath there. Pretty. Oh, gosh, I I love the Yeah, so it's like, it's great. It's like, uh, you know, you, so you see her, toes curl up you know with uh you know and it's it's really first time i'd ever witnessed that it was really cool looking kind of funny looking and yet you know it was all it was very uh it it was very eye-opening you know for me Mm -hmm. it's always very questionable when you add electricity yes it does yes yes and and i always make sure because you always see the look on the person's face they're like really "Uh, you know is this okay and it's like yes this is uh, this is okay don't please do not go in your bathtub and take your hair dryer or something right. with you that would not be <laughs> exactly good. so it's a little bit different yes. yeah so uh you know it, so it, it is pretty pretty interesting to watch that but uh but it once again i mean so what are you doing you're addressing the the neural input followed by you know reducing inflammation followed by you know, and also uh, getting the muscles to absorb forces better you have someone who is instantly better now not i say instantly better not 100 not instantly 100 percent um no but we're talking about the same practice that got Dwight Freeney from a grade three ankle sprain uh, to play in the Super Bowl, whatever oh, year that was. I forgot Holy all about cow. that what, one. What yeah, was I that? Uh, Colt. I used to use that one a long time. Yeah, a long time ago. But I forgot yeah, all about um, that. 
Yeah, that was a great three, and that was one week later, I want to say, or was it two weeks later? I mean, that was unheard of, but he... Yeah, there used to be video of him, on, of that on YouTube. I think they yes, took it down. Yes, yes. Huh? So it was, uh, uh, that was, that was a great three ankle sprain. That was, uh, um, anyway, uh, just, that, that's just a story that you can use to sort of follow up, but so naturally, you know, someone has a lesser injury, you know, you're going to know so even a quicker result. So the second one was, uh, by the way, someone with the same last name as you, John, uh, I think his name was Tom Nelson. He was, uh, hosted a be activated clinic in, uh, in Chicago, okay. Illinois area. Chris Corfist was, was one of the hosts. Dan Victor was one of the hosts and, uh, Dr. Nelson, mm -hmm. it was actually in his office. And, uh, by the way, uh, sneak peek, if anybody uh, is listening, Dan, Dan Fickner will be joining us here in a couple episodes. Yes, of he episodes, will. So Absolutely. And uh, anyway, so Dr. Nelson um, himself had... Um, was Dr. Nelson, was he one of the gate guys? No, no, that's... Um, that is... Uh, those are two... I think they're podiatrists. This was a, this okay. was a, uh, uh, a primary care physician, I believe. I think, I think. I feel I feel I know that name for some reason, but I don't I don't know why. Well, he pretty much after this clinic, he pretty much changed his whole practice. He he had okay. he was uh, you know your standard I think medical practitioner in that you know he he saw a lot of you know uh, uh, you know typical well visits and and uh, and and you know saw, just see just general patient population in this clinic uh, until he did. Be activated. Well, Dr. Nelson, years prior to hosting this clinic, I, it, I, I can't remember how he ended up with such a, a range of motion issue in his shoulder, but I want to say he probably had 110 degrees of shoulder flexion. Okay, if, if he were to hold his arm straight at his elbow, he probably could barely get his hand higher than his, the top of his head, barely. Uh, you should be able to raise your bicep up to your ear. Well, I, I want to say that this had happened years. I want to say he was like a teenager whenever he hurt his shoulder. So this was a like 20, 30-year prior injury. In 10 minutes of ref of of uh, of uh, this RPR or this this be activated, he's able to pretty much flex that shoulder all the way up. I mean, it was 160 plus degrees. So from 110 to about 160 in 10 minutes. And this is not a new, fresh injury, okay? There was the, the practitioner did not touch his shoulder, did not touch his arm. He did the B-activated technique. And now, all of a sudden, Dr. Tom is able to raise an arm much closer to full range of motion, again, in 10 minutes. Now, once again, that's something you can't unsee. I can't deny it mm -hmm. worked. Okay, did it make any sense to me at the time? Absolutely not. But I can't deny it worked. He can't deny it worked. He absolutely changed the way he practiced medicine at that point. Uh, the last thing, <clears throat> and by the way, I was that was I was trained in that technique by a physical therapist. I could not use it in a physical therapy clinic. I was not allowed. All right. Yeah. I was not. I'm not saying that nobody could. I'm saying I could not where I was working at the time. Third and final story along that line. Um, you have some familiarity, John, with uh, um, primal uh, 
uh, shoot, what's it called? Yes, primal reflex, primal reflex release. Once again, tr tr yeah, trained by a physical therapist. The most gentle techniques you could ever find anywhere. Very gentle. Oh, yeah. um, and when it works, it works great. When it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You know, no, it's not. Uh, primal reflex release technique is not something that you can use on someone with a true injury. Like it's not going to help. It's not right. But yeah. if someone has just guarding and, and tightness and pain with movement, but there's no diagnosed like fracture or tear or whatever, it works great. Um, I mean, it, it, it works. In, it evaluates nociceptive responses, which you can say a fancy yes. word for trigger point, you know, so to speak. And, you know, they're just protective mechanisms. And, like, if you're a coach listening to this and you don't utilize that, you need to because it's a great tool to have in the in the tool bag for sure. Um, shoot, I remember I used it doing Tough Mudder once. Yeah. Um, it was, we were doing Tough Mudder, and there was a guy cramping up, and that was one of the things I did to him. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, he's fine. Just And all of a sudden, right. he can walk again. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. nothing to it. But, it's a yeah, but it's a, it's a great tool. I, I would – is Dr. I'm no. sorry to interrupt you, but is Dr. I'm still I, around? I think so, like, but I don't know. I, I really don't know. He he, he, he really brilliant. was. His work is his work was awesome. Like, and we you and I barely scratched the right. surface of it. I don't think. I mean, I think you know we had a couple courses that we went through, but man, I, I love that stuff. And I think you know Dan. I think you and Dan are the one that yeah, it's me simple. It. Yeah, it's not. But, I mean, it's very simple. Oh gosh, and it's, yes. it's uh, and yet you know, again, I I I use it try or go to use it in the clinic and I'm not allowed to. And I'm, so I'm like, well, what, what, what wow. can I do? Yeah. I, I don't. So once again, this is not physical therapists because I learned these techniques from physical therapists who were clearly getting great results mm -hmm. with using simple techniques. It was the way physical therapy, the practice was practiced where I was. Does that make sense? So, Oh yeah. So I mean, kind of back to Austin's question. How, is there a difference? I, the way I practiced it or the way that I was told to practice it? Absolutely. Because wh what if what if somebody has bad wiring, okay? Uh, somebody, can, their brain cannot break this compensation pattern, a bad movement pattern. They need to have the, the software... They need a software upgrade or a software adjustment before they can get any benefit from this exercise that they're doing. Well, right. you're beginning to see now, and actually it's non-physical therapy that's taking the charge, that they are beginning to say, look, let's, let's address the, the input, the, the neural input first. Then we can go and actually do the exercise to get some benefit. All right, we can actually strengthen this tissue or strengthen these muscles that are surrounding this weak tissue or this injured tissue or this damaged tissue. It's got to be, let's address the brain first. Then we can get the benefit of what we're trying to get as opposed to just trying to hammer this exercise, trying to hammer the strength training that may or may not be doing this patient any good. That's where I would say the way I, my experience has been in the way it's practiced. There has never been an addressing of the neural input end of things. That's what you're seeing the square ones of the world addressing. That's what you're seeing uh, Dr. Matt Boulay, um, 
That's what you're seeing, uh, posturology. That's what you're seeing him address. That's what you're seeing uh, Dr. John Pietula. That's what you've seen him address now for years. I mean, he was the first one. He's the that mm. example of the first oh, one. Yeah. Uh, that first example we gave. Um, that's what you're seeing, the John IMs. Again, these are some of these are physical therapists. Um, that's what you're seeing them address the software before you address the hardware. They're getting, they seem, in my experience, they seem to be getting results where a lot of times traditional physical therapy has failed because they keep trying to hit the hammer with the nail or hit the nail with the hammer and they just keep freaking missing. And, you know, eventually you got to try something different. And I think that's where I've often seen the hesitation is in, okay, we keep trying to, to do this, you know, again and again and again and expecting a different result chances are it ain't happening try something different let's try the input first and i think that's where the way you've done things that's the way i'm learning to do things mm -hmm. that's the difference um so yeah, yeah. you know and i think i think that it's you're starting to see a little bit of shift you know, in, I don't want to say, I don't want to say medicine or healthcare, but you're just seeing a shift in the spectrum of everything, strength and conditioning, fitness and healthcare and into a real, an openness of, okay, there's increased rates of, my gosh, it seems like everything these days. I mean, you know, youth injuries and whatever else. I don't have any numbers in front of me, but I mean, I, we can all probably attest to that. I mean, that probably increases in orthopedic issues, increases in, in, you know, youth sports injuries. I mean, just the explosion of Tommy John, you know, over the last right. what, 10 years or so, you know, and, and I think you're starting to see a shift in, I'd say our community as far as healthcare providers and us and everybody that there are, there are other things out there that are benefit that can be of, of benefit because if some of these elements were the end all be all, then we probably wouldn't have some of the scenarios that are right. going on. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things that I, I talk about when somebody calls or comes in for a new appointment is, you know, I tell everybody right on the front end, look, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a physical therapist. Like that is my job is not to treat or diagnose. That's not what we do. We look to try and identify the origin of that problem, specifically from a neurological or neuromuscular perspective. So how the brain tells the body what to do, not going the other way and trying to get the body to do something right. and make the brain right. adapt. <clears throat> we, yeah. And, and it, which is what a lot of times traditional work does. And that's not to say that's a bad thing because like we have some very, we have great relationships with plenty of PTs and doctors yes. in this area. And, and, and without, without them, and you guys know who you are. I mean, Cindy, Jennifer, I mean, we love you guys. Like they know how much we respect them and, like I, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without them because ultimately they're our advisors. You know, they're our healthcare people, and, and as they should be. Like I'm not a healthcare person. Like, you know, you, uh, you know, you, you pull something, or I mean, I don't know what you did. Don't don't right. ask me to tell you what you did. I don't know. Go go see go see Jennifer. Go see Doctor Hood. <clears throat> like that's <laughs> go see your ortho. Right. That, that's not what I do. Um, you know, let me know what's going on, and then we'll address it from a neurological side of stuff. And then if you need to treat symptom side, you know, then that's for a PT or healthcare provider to do. But, you know, when you get into Dr. J stuff and, you know, the importance of what, what Doc did and, and 
for anybody who's been listening to our show for a while, I always refer to him as Doc. Um, Dr. J, there's been some people on our podcast already, and in every single one of them we have great relationships with. And, and I'm very honest in saying, like, how much I appreciate them, and they, they impacted what we do, you know, for sure. Dr. J is, is special in the sense that Dr. J changed everything that I thought I knew. There, Dr. J changed, changed the game. Um, and he doesn't do podcasts, but we do have a pretty cool announcement in telling you he is going to be joining the starting block, and that episode will be coming out in 2023. Dr. J and I have a great relationship. He's a brilliant, brilliant guy. And it, his methodology created a, a storm across the Internet. Like, <laughs> you know, when the, like when the Internet first came out, right? Right. Yeah. It's almost like uh, uh, when, when Al Gore invented the Internet. Um, right. You know, young guys won't understand that. And, and, and Dr. J, I think, was, you know, at least in the mainstream side of it, was one of the first ones to kind of address that input in neuromuscular, neurological standpoint. I remember when I went up to go visit him, Ellie and I drove up there, and we drove up in uh, Elliot's little 1984, like, Nissan Maxima. There was a hole in the floorboard. Like, the, the thing was shaking the whole time. Like, we drove up there because he went to go see Dr. J. And I remember Doc came over to our, uh, our hotel one night, and we were going to go out and go eat some dinner. And he grabbed one of my, my uh, at the time, the, my, my, my NASM um, PT book. And he's like, this is <laughs> shit. And just threw it across the room. <laughs> And I was like, right. all right, okay, okay, I like it. And I walked in his office and it, cha- and it changed my life. Like, yeah. It literally changed my life. Um, you know, and so I'm, I'm kind of getting off track there, but um, it, it really is just a different perspective. And so, you know, when people ask, what's the difference? Well, the difference is evaluating how the brain is telling the muscles and body what to do. And what we do, like I don't do square one, and, you know, Sean – um, Sean came on, and I, I love what Sean has to say. And I, Chris, I know you do. You've shown you've shown me a few things, and I think it's great because I see responses. <clears throat> you know, I see things that correlate to it. We look at it maybe a little bit differently, you know, but ultimately it's all the same thing. It's just influencing the neural integrity, so telling, clearing out interference in the brain to help the body do its ultimate job. And I think one of the, that gets confused with be activated and RPR a lot. And you know, I, I've. I've seen that where I put some information out there. I put posts out there and people will be like, Oh yeah, you're doing RPR. No, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't do RPR. I do be activated. I trained, I actually trained under you. You mm-hmm. taught me how to do be activated. <clears throat> so we did be activated when it was still be activated before core fist and, and Cal Dietz and them, you know, took over and changed it to RPR. And if you do RPR or you find a practitioner who does RPR, it's a great yes. service. Like it's a, yep. it's a very good system. hundred percent. I, I like it. You know, and we use basically the same thing at, at times, but that's different than doing something like our system that we work with under Dr. J, or I'd probably right. say even Square One. You know, and you know, Mandy and I were on a podcast years ago with, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind put his name out there. I don't, I don't want. I mean, we got a good relationship. I hadn't spoken to him in years, but. You know, I think there was when that podcast came out, they asked me about RPR and be activated and I made some comments and I still stand by them today. But I think I think it kind of put a, a taste in people's mouth of like, oh, hey, I, I don't like be activated or RPR. And, and no, that's not the case at all. I think it's a very useful tool and it's useful for any practitioner because it still can 
influence the body and tell it what to do. But I think it's kind of like taking the kink out of a hose rather than addressing an right. even deeper-rooted issue. And that's where I think Dr. J's work and I think you know, Square One you know, really, right. you know, really come into so play. So if you think about it um, in these terms, I mean, I mean, some of these systems and some of the inputs don't even require a practitioner of any sort. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you heard, right. I mean, by the way, you already mentioned that, that Dan, is, Dan Fichter is going to be uh, a guest on the podcast. Uh, we may or may not have already interviewed him at this point. Um, but, uh, you know, some of the things that, um, that, you, that you can do to influence your own input, you're changing how your body interprets the input, you can do without any practitioner whatsoever. Um, it's a little harder to evaluate yourself, but you can, people, but people know I do this, I don't hurt, or I do this, I run faster, or I do this and I, you know, whatever. I jump higher, I throw the ball fat, whatever the case may be. Those things are pretty easy to evaluate. And so did all of a sudden this weird little, hey, I turned my both my feet to the right and all of a sudden I my hip pain went away, whatever. You know, that's real, you know? And so that's, that. I'm, you know, yeah. by the way, I, that does not mean I'm telling everybody with hip pain to go to go lay on their back and turn their feet to the right. Okay, but it's it's a it's it's just something to point out that simple changes in the way your body perceives sensory input changes the output, and without input, there is no output. And I think that is once again where you're going to see the changes in between. Whether it be physical in your physical therapist's office, whether it be at uh, elite level performance, whether it be with me, whether it be with a, a chiropractor, whether it be with a square one practitioner, what, I don't care who it is. Someone who addresses that first and then addresses the output in after addressing the, the neural input in is going to end up with a much better long-term result period agreed agreed and that's i i, I reiterate yes. that i say that all the time you know I say reduce that all the, time. I mean, the threat you reduce know reduce the threat and it's not even for pain it's yeah. also for performance so anyone who thinks you have to be injured or you have to have pain in order to benefit that's not true if you have any kind of a limitation or any kind of a something where you're stuck it could very well be an a sensory input issue that can be addressed and and improved on in minutes in some cases yeah. and i mean it's ultimately it's putting the body in a position where it's working yes. for you and yes. not against you as well you know and, and people ask people will come in and they'll ask me oh well should i still go see my chiro or should i see, still see my doctor or do i do pt and my response is always, look, I'm not answering that. Like, yes, do what your doctor and healthcare providers tell you to do. That's not, I'm not here to try to replace what right. that is or what you're doing. What we do can help assist that because we, we evaluate things from a little bit different perspective. You know, we evaluate it from eliminating those threats. You know, we evaluate it from getting, you know, the, uh, the protective mechanisms out of the system. 
and that subsequently influences anything you do on that output side. So, you know, if you're having trouble, you know, if you're recovering from an ACL, that's a common one, right? You know, recovering from ACL. Well, look, I'm not, I'm not going to try to take you through your first four weeks of rehab. Like that's, that's not what we do. No, what we do though, is if those muscles are shut down, which they're going to be because arthrogenic inhibition, Okay, the brain moves away from the joint area, try to protect it, muscles shut down, blah, blah, blah. It's surgery, your body perceives a threat, okay? So it shuts things down, right? And so by creating an environment where you clear out that threat, the body can do its job, the muscles can do its job, that requires zero loading, you know, zero movement, nothing, whatever. That's all something we do on our end. You have now placed that individual so far ahead of the curve because what would have taken traditionally, you know, three months to work, now it's all of a sudden firing. And that just helps assist their recovery. And it assists the, uh, the practitioners, you know, the healthcare providers in, in, in their work. And so it all, you know, it all just works together. And, um, yeah, I think you're starting to see a change in that across the fields. I know there's, there's a lot of doctors and PTs around the area that, have opened that are opened up to us they've reached out to us and it's great it's great because it's not an ego thing man like there's no we don't i don't want i don't need any recognition man we you and i neither one of us do we this is about improving our community and trying to get all of us to work together and to bridge that gap and you know so i, I keep preaching about this forever i know i know chris we gotta, yeah. we gotta wrap no up. absolutely it's uh, but, uh it, it ultimately yeah. comes down to the benefit of the the athlete the client the customer the you know and and and, you know, it's, uh, you know, anybody who thinks they got all the answers, chances are they are the ones who know the least. And, you know, certainly we, you know, I'll admit, I mean, I don't know anywhere near all there is to know. But, uh, but. No, it's a Dunning-Kruger yeah. Kruger, Dunning uh, yeah, Dunning Kruger, Kruger, Kruger yes. Uh, yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah. yeah. It, it's uh yeah if we can all kind of put our, you know put our egos at the door for the benefit of the of the people that we're serving I think we're going to be in better shape. Yeah, hundred percent. So we'll uh, we'll probably do a follow up to this episode because I think we can go a little bit deeper into how it all works together and some of the areas that we look at a little bit yeah. more specifically because Chris and I do a couple things differently, uh, but a little bit more specifically and 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 break it down. So. Um, we're going to wrap that up for today. It's a little shorter than normal. But remember, guys, that we ask that you please share the show. If you, you got some value in this, if we gave you some information, uh, please share it. Please uh, put it on social media. Please tell a friend, a family member, and bring them to our show. Like I said, our goal is to help the community. We just want to continue to improve our, uh, improve our communities and help you guys win. So appreciate you. You can follow us all on uh, social media and send us your questions if you got them. And All we right, will guys. see you guys Thanks. here soon.